what we believe we believe. You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life. But you've never learned how to live the Christian life. Hello and welcome to Tellius Talk. My name is Wendell Martins and I am your host. Merry Christmas, Freilich Weihnachten, Joya Noel. Ah, it's the end of another year and it is gone. So this episode marks the completion of three years for the Tellius Talk podcast. We have witnessed a lot of changes politically, culturally and religiously this year. And I would just like to touch on a few of those things. First of all, I would like to say a huge thank you to Denise and Laurel for doing my voiceovers this year. You sure make things good. Thank you so much. Laurel did take a short hiatus this year so she could perform in the theater this fall. The play has now come to the end of its run and we are looking forward to her return in the new year. One of the most obvious changes this year, I'm sure you have noticed, is that Allie has chosen to step away from Telly's talk and focus on schooling. We do miss his insight and hope for the best in his future endeavors. Tellius Talk also produced their first book this year. We have plans for more publications in the coming year, so stay tuned for any announcements in the coming months. So I'm going to start off by talking about politics, and although I generally shy away from speaking about this, there are usually a few things that happen every year which I feel requires comment. However, I do need to stay mindful of Romans 13.1, which says there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So I will try to keep these comments appropriate. We're going to start the year just like it started with a bang. We had trucker convoys and protests here in Canada. In one way, it was our way to be noticed on the international scene. Be that good or bad, and in another way, it was a surprising, poignant way for Canadian citizens to voice their displeasure over many issues. Our government responded by treating the citizens like terrorists, surprise, surprise, and it was undoubtedly a bad time for Canadians on all fronts. This reminded me of the verse that we read in Proverbs 29.12, which says, If a ruler pays attention to falsehood, all his ministers become wicked. And it's becoming very hard to honor our rulers these days. When it comes to rulers, however, it is hard to forget someone who has had such a huge impact on Canadians in a positive way. And on September 8th, 2022, Queen Elizabeth died at Balmoral, her home in Scotland. She said in her 2000 Christmas address, To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. I believe that her testimony was true, and when we look at how she lived, we may have witnessed the passing of the last truly godly leader of the Commonwealth. So, can we finally say COVID is over? Now, I know that viruses like these never really go away, but the disappearance of mask mandates was a real relief for me. If you live in China, though, there seems to be no end in sight. At the beginning of December, we started seeing reports that huge quarantine camps were being built to house those who were COVID positive. Chinese officials seem to have lifted some of the policies after protests erupted, 
but I doubt that we have seen the end of it for now. Although the long-term effects of COVID are largely unknown, there are huge swaths of young children who have lost two years of interactive skill building because they were locked away and not allowed to learn basic societal norms. We must also be concerned about the news suggesting negative long-term health effects related to the COVID vaccines. Still, it isn't like we're completely out of the woods. There are many relationships which were strained or broken over the course of the COVID lockdowns. There are families that still do not get together because of the stance each member had on how to deal with a pandemic. It should be that the family of God would show others how to bring healing in these situations, but we also saw a lot of disparity among churches over the last two years as well. James 5 verse 11 says, Is there any among you who is sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let him pray over them, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. How often do we seek out prayer and anointing from our church? James continues in verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Do we really believe that? Sometimes we get so caught up in the science that we forget that we serve an all-powerful God who heals. I would like to talk a little bit about culture as well. Every year we take time to look at those things which happened in the culture around us and dwell very briefly on how these events affected us. Sadly, the Christian music scene lost two rather prominent musicians. In July we learned that Michael Bloodgood had passed away due to complications of a hemorrhagic stroke which he had suffered in February. Then in August, Ted Kirkpatrick of Tourniquet died from a rare respiratory disease. Growing up, I listened to a lot of Bloodgood and Tourniquet music, and to hear the passing of these two men was really tough to take in, and it should be a time of rejoicing, though, as they have been called home to rock with the king. We also lost a man this year known simply as Brother Andrew, Born in the Netherlands prior to World War II, Brother Andrew became a missionary, smuggling Bibles into closed countries during a time when he could have been killed for his actions. His story and legacy is one which I have found encouraging in my own life when I think about my witness and the cost of being a Christian today. Brother Andrew passed away on September 27th, and I would encourage you to read his book, God's Smuggler. On a different front, the always controversial Canadian clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson added his voice to the subscription service The Daily Wire. Often described as a conservative voice, he has risen in popularity through publications, lectures, and YouTube videos promoting his views on gender identity, Canadian politics, and the prevailing notion that he has adjusted his worldview to reflect those of Christianity. He, however, has never publicly stated a commitment to Christianity as a religious identity, although popular among many young Christian men, how should we bring a woman as an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have had a different sex at birth? Don't blink, though. The definition of man is the exact same swill. Looking down at our southern neighbors as we do, it is hard to miss the political and cultural pigsty, which is the United States. That isn't to suggest that Canada has any advantage, what with its bumbling idiots that steer our ship, it's just that we don't proclaim our failings with as much fervor and zeal as our neighbors do, in that of respond. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance. And it is prudent 
to be committed rather than riding the fence. I could never have believed at the beginning of the year questions such as what is a woman could have ever been taken seriously, never mind the litany of absurdity which has followed it around. Do we really need to define this? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can easily find videos online where Matt Walsh asks this exact question with a dizzying array of answers which defy logic. In fact, the Cambridge Dictionary has now defined the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk has really unleashed a hornet's nest. It has been refreshing to see some of the sweating being done by those of every stripe as the things which shall never be revealed are now seeing the light of day. And not to get sidetracked here, but when a satire site like Babylon B is getting choked out by the woke mafia, there is something really rotten going on. And I do feel we should talk a little bit about religion. And so, now that I've gone and started pointing fingers, it's probably appropriate to consider all those fingers which are pointing back. Christianity has stepped up once again this year and submitted its lists of what were they thinking candidates. Let's start off with Matt Chandler, lead pastor of teaching at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. He was investigated in August for what Chandler called an unguarded and unwise exchange. Although not one of the more sensational goofs in the recent years, the handling of this situation and his reinstatement after three months was just awkward, and the whole thing had a feeling of uneasiness to it. When your pastor has to step away from the ministry due to an inappropriate online relationship, there should be a real call for accountability not only from the pastor, but from leadership, elders, conference, and membership as well. Canadian pastors can play the same game, and while we were wrapping up last year, news came that pastor and author Bruxy Cavey had been accused of sexual assault and sexual misconduct involving a minor. His resignation was accepted in March, and in May he was formally charged with sexual assault. According to information released regarding his charges, there are at least three sexual assaults under investigation, including those with a minor. As of August, two of the sexual assaults have been thoroughly substantiated. His dramaturgical method of charismatic leadership used emotional, deconstructive methods to expand evangelism in a megachurch setting. This new pseudo-Christianity is a reactive effort to satiate cultural pressure on a countercultural worldview. When these things happen, the hollowing out of the traditional church erodes the assumed foundations on which the heretical church is attempting to build. Here in Canada, churches are being threatened with the loss of non-profit status as a religious organization if they refuse to agree with the federal government's statement of belief. In 2021, the Canadian government got into real legal trouble for denying grants to a Christian university in Ontario because of the university's opposition to same-sex marriage. Not to be deterred, our government has now chosen to focus on the non-profit status of Christian summer camps and churches because there is less funding available in these institutions to fight federal red tape. If you've ever read anything by Bonhoeffer, he talks about what happened at the beginning of the Second World War, and the strategy we are seeing in our government mimics the early efforts of the Nazi party against the church in Germany, which forced it into compliance. As we know, they were tragically effective in their campaign. Mark 13.13 13 says, You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. 
As if they need any help, our Christian universities have begun encouraging the process of deconstructionism. Places like CMU here in Winnipeg and Regent in Vancouver have systematically defiled their purpose, cutting off their collective noses to spite their faces, prancing around like a rutting deer as hunters become poised to cut them down. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 reminds us that the Spirit explicitly says, in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. We do not have to look very far to see what today's church is willing to deny as it moves away from its first love. Next month, I will be talking about deconstructionism in the church, and I will be fleshing out these claims even further. Now, I did have a chance to exchange an email with my father this year regarding changes to church polity. So he said to me, I thought I would share an insight into dealing with issues and bringing questionable changes into the church polity. There is discussion about opening the church to persons claiming to be homosexual and wanting leadership positions in the church. In a moment of inspiration, Mark 10, 17, 21 came to mind, which reads, As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said, One thing you lack. Go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. In this verse, we have a young man who is eager to do whatever it takes to gain eternal life. Jesus tells him to follow the law, to which he says he has done it since his youth. It says Jesus loved him. He loved his passion. He loved his zeal and his openness. But Jesus revealed one thing. The young man was wealthy, and Jesus identifies that his real God was his wealth. Give your wealth away, lay it at the cross, and follow Jesus. In the same way, whatever is our God needs to be placed at the cross, and one must follow Jesus. Anything we feel is important, that is our God, must be placed at the cross, and then our focus becomes on Jesus. So the issues noted in Colossians 3 are not to be held in high esteem. Rather, it's all about following Jesus. Chapter 3 spells it out very well. The other things or sons, as Paul says, have no room or consideration. To force the thatch to accept sinful practices into the leadership of the church is to accept other gods to be worshipped. As I mentioned earlier, there is a video online called What is a Woman Going Around, which talks about gender identity and queer politics in the United States. This is a very pressing issue right now, but it grew from the church's waning morality in regards to premarital sex and divorce. I also see that the trajectory puts a truly God-fearing church into a precarious position when it comes to its handling of possible law reform. But that doesn't mean that we have no voice. We must define love the way Jesus defined love, the way Jewish tradition taught love, and the way the early church interpreted love. My dad responded, he said, This approach does not focus on just homosexuality, but addresses each of the vices Paul mentions. Scripture says that in the last days, people will twist Scripture to make it say, whatever their itching ears want to hear. Therefore, we need people to rightly devise the Word of God. Now, I'm always aware that when I do my studies, I'm checking context and meaning, 
One of my biggest fears with my book is that people choose to put tradition over scripture and argue that I am scripture twisting. But I believe that my arguments are sound. It is the twisting of scripture and then forcing those changes into scripture that we are warned of. I was recently asked why I have a podcast. To be completely honest, being a podcaster is not an easy way to get rich or famous. And it seems that anything I say could be used against me. But this really started out as a way for two friends to discuss what they believed and why. After Ali decided to step back, I had to reevaluate my reasoning for continuing the Tellius Talk podcast. I'm not actually trying to get rich or famous. I'm not even trying to start any fights. I don't have any interest in that. Ultimately, I want to leave something for my children so that when they have questions, I can answer them. Children are so often looked down on as incapable of understanding hard things, and so we treat them as immature. When we do this, we get a generation that lives up to our expectations. We get the woke mob, all emotion and devoid of rationality. As young as they are, my children feel comfortable listening to these podcasts and then asking me about what they are hearing. This is iron sharpening iron. This is teaching my children to do hard things because I believe they can. If we want a generation that fears God, it must start in the home. And so, this is why I've chosen to continue the podcast. Now next year, we're going to be talking about deconstructionism, as I've already said. Uh, being good, we're going to do a two-month cover on the gospel, both its countercultural nature and the history. We are going to be talking about women in the church, church membership, being authentic, I'm going to look at the early church fathers over the first 1,000 years, which could be a three-month part, and I'm looking at possibly talking about general revelation. If any of that interests you, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you in the coming months. I must say that I have really enjoyed putting together the podcast this year, and I am looking forward to next year. I would like to close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for sustaining us through this year. I thank you for how you've touched our lives, guiding us and giving us what we need. As we look to another year, I pray that your continued blessings will be with us and lead us into opportunities where we could share the good news with others. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to doing this again next year. Again, next month, I will be talking about deconstructionism, and I hope you join us then. Until we meet again, have a great new year. Do we believe what we believe we believe? Stand on that door, it's done. <laughs> I can still see you. Don't forget to whip. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> oh, dear.
that's the top. You just have to scroll it. Adjust the headphones. Our topic is on. To I can't believe I messed it up already. I need more headphones. I need more headphones. Is that better? Is that better? Is that, is that better? Oh yeah, way better. Oh yeah. Okay. 